Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Is wearing his heels. And here I was going for a vineyard in this car, all on camera, and I'm like, yes, I'm probably not going to play for this club again. I can remember the one time I got, I won 14 grand on the bet. Well, it was more than that, but uh, that was the one other time, 96 grand was the other time. Beg your pardon? And I come in steaming. How much was that? 96. Thought I'd blown it all, never going to play for Wales again. And then Gatlin's rings me. Didn't want to answer it. He goes, right, you're going to have to have a little bit of time off. Two weeks off, you're going to have to have a ban. And he goes, have you decided to go anywhere? I said, yeah, I've, I've already booked. He goes, we're off. I said, I've just booked Amsterdam. So I went to Amsterdam for four days. And I came back more sketchy than I went over there. A lot goes out to Warren Gatlin, what he done for, mis- for myself. The way he handled me. And, you know, he's back in Wales now, and I think he'll get the best of it there. On this episode, I'm joined by one of the greatest humans on the earth. Stories for days, some good, some sad. It's the great, the wonderful, the powerful Andy Powell. I've got my heels on today. Special occasion, Bowley, because... Always. You're in London, so that's a special occasion. It's a dangerous situation. You done much prep? No. <laughs> Everything <laughs> off the cuff. It has to be done it. <laughs> Honestly, now, if I did it all written out there, it'd be a disaster. I think everything has to be off the cuff. I much prefer off the cuff. Especially when you're speaking. But this is scary because this will be unfiltered and who knows what we're going to say or you're going to say. Even though it's the Big Jim show, I'm, I'm going to give you the floor and the keys to the kingdom. Well, I never fail, do I? So there'll always be something from it. Let's start with this one. How are you? I'm good. Honestly? Yeah, mate, I'm good. Like when we spoke last... Finishing rugby was bloody hard, mate. And I, How long ago was that? Six years ago. Okay. It was in Merthyr when I finished. Yeah, we lost a lot of players. They struggle. And, you know, mental health is a big thing. And I didn't think I had it. But I, yeah, I was drinking too much. I was drinking every night, 10 pints every night. And that's a lot of a lot of drink. And, and I sort of said to myself, there's definitely something up here. Like, don't come around. I like to pint. I'd probably like two or three nights a week. But every night, with trust trying to... Sort of drown it, forget about it. Yeah, and I'm, I've am i sorted myself out, really. Coaching, the kids are good. Yeah, brilliant, really, Jim. Were you drinking at home? No, I couldn't drink in the house. That's one thing I can't do. Just down the pub every day. Same pub, 10 o'clock in the morning. Probably more than 10 pints. And then going home at 8 o'clock, Chinese, Indian, and doing the same thing every day for about a year and a half. And that was as soon as you retired? Yeah. Don't go wrong, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but... You enjoy being around your mates, but you didn't want to play rugby anymore. It was like coming to the end, you know, and it was you, you had to carry on playing because you're on good money and you weren't enjoying it. You missed the crack with the lads, but it was just carrying on, carrying on. And you knew you're getting yourself into a deeper rut, but you can't be man enough to say it to yourself. Well, you had the bright lights as well of 
the Millennium back then, the Principality Stadium, the British and Irish Lion Tours, the fake tans. You know, you were wild, you were hey, fast. Look how white they have now. <laughs> I've got hairs on my arms. <laughs> I've, I've become a man. Have you dyed your hair as well? Uh, the other half died. Oh, the other half. Yeah. But, but it is. I'm a beard. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm loving it. I could do with a trim. I'm loving it. No, I like it. It's wild. Nice. Just how I remember you. Yeah. Now, we, we'll go back a little bit because I know a lot's happened. So we don't want to go deep and then laugh about it and then go deep again. But yeah. th this is you. So let's, yeah, let's exactly. do it. Let's do it. Because you talk about wild and loose and brilliant. That's you. You mentioned Andy Powell to anyone, right? First thing that happens, they smile, which is such a nice thing to have, right? I have always loved you. I've loved how you are. We played against each other. You know, we lived... Did I? Do you live with me or not? Or did you... Did, In Leicester. We were I, at Leicester together, but did you live with me or not? Or did you just stay on the sofa for three nights? I think I... Well, I think I had Josh Cronfell's uh, house when he left. I think I left... Yeah, I lived with you a few days. But I was never in the house. I don't know where I was. Well, this is like... So our relationship goes back years to the point where I was at Leicester and then carrying on from saying you were wild, you were loose, you were funny, you were amazing because you just disappeared one day but, and then next thing I saw you playing for Wales. But I, I, was, I was quite quiet though in Leicester, when I? You were quiet. Because when you go into the change rooms, it was... Leicester was the main club then. They were dominating and I was still, what was I, a 19-year-old kid. And when you go into that change room, you have Martin Johnson, Austin Healy... Well, you just shut up, didn't you? You mm. can't be the person you are. But it was a great club. I, well, we had plenty of good nights out, Harry Ellis. <laughs> I love how you say, great nights out, Harry Ellis. Correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, I've always been that kind of person. You have to have fun. I, I've got no regrets. You don't? No. None? No. Where did you go that after Leicester? I say that night. I presume it was a night and then you disappeared. Well, I think I struggled with professional rugby. I was just, I was fit. Decent rugby player. I wouldn't say I was brilliant. I was raw. All I wanted to do is have fun at the same time. But in professional rugby, you can do that. But I probably took it to the next level. And especially with the social media and stuff, you weren't allowed to be that person. And then I just thought I'd give up the game. I had six months on the side. Didn't want to, well, I wanted to go back to my old man's business and work there. And then I went back to the Scarlets or Schnetli at the time and started playing and started, well, probably falling in love with the game again. And it just went from there, really. You didn't go to France then? Because the rumours uh, you were you went from Leicester and then you ended up in the arse end of France somewhere. Well, I turned professional when I was 17 at Newport when we had uh, Teichman, Gary Teichman there, and we had the South African coach, Ian McIntosh. So I signed my first, first professional contract for 36 grand a year as a 17-year-old. And I had a massive gambling problem at the time. What, at the age of 17? At the age of 17. I can remember my grandfather used to come around the house and he was a massive betting man. And he goes, I got a tip. I think it was a 420, a Goodwood. And it was called Riverside Dancer. And I used to go around the, the village washing cars when I was 14. And uh, I put all this money on it and it came in. I had about three or four grand back. And that's where I got it from. So when I signed my first professional contract, I was thinking, shit, I'm going to blow my money. And I did most of it. And yeah, I don't bet so much now. And then I went from Newport to... Bezier, 150 grand a year as a 20-year-old. Oh, God. Well, it was, yeah, me being in France is quite, yeah. What was Bezier like, being on that kind of money? With, you've all already revealed some of the, not issues, but the personality traits that you had. So if you're gambling at 17, all your money away, you get yeah, to, well, to France. What was that you like? You sort of put up to the back of your mind. You think, I'll be all right, I won't do it. 
But I can remember turning up, there was an agent called Bruno Zama, and he picked me up from Pepinion Airport. He said, I want you to come meet the coaches, the money men. We'll go to the bull ring, watch a few fights of the bulls. You can have a few beers, get on it, and we'll take you to the garage to pick your Nissan car up after, after having a few, four or five beers, probably more than that. So I can remember being in the garage, start this three-litre car up, and he goes, what do you think? I said, oh, it's a brilliant car. He goes, off you go now, I'll meet you back at the villa. So I spun out the garage, left black marks in the garage, and they were like this, what the fuck is this guy doing? What is his name? He's Andy Powell. We'd go on the piss then, and Yannick Younger was there at the time, the ex-French captain. And we all go to this nightclub then until four o'clock in the morning. I had my uncles, me and my two cousins. I jumped in the car, and as we were going back to the A1, back to the villa, my cousins ripped up the handbrake up on me. So we'd gone down this bank, went through this vineyard, and lucky enough, there were small bushes, so we could get out from them. Managed to get back onto the road, back into the villa, a few glasses of wine, bottles of wine. And then it was Sunday the next day, so we had a quiet day on a Sunday. The car was a total mess, and we had to make training on the Monday. And I pulled into training, and Yannick Younger goes to me, what the fuck has happened to you last night? And then Jean-Pierre Lassard, the coach, comes out. Come with me, please. Pull me in the meeting room. He goes, I want to you to have a look at this screen to see how we're going to play this year. And I'm thinking, shit, he hasn't got a clue. And there I was going through a vineyard in this car, all on camera, and I'm like, yes, I'm probably not going to play for this club again. And he goes, do you know who this vineyard is? It was his vineyard, the coach's vineyard. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. but So we find me two months' I wages. Am. I lasted one year in France, but I loved every minute of it. <laughs> I know, never a dull moment. So when you retired, if you give us a snapshot of when it I, switches off, do you think that that's yeah, the struggle? I, yeah, it's a struggle. I think I need to be, I probably should have been managed a lot better. Um, but probably looking back then, it wasn't pro probably many coaches who could manage wild players. And I, I'm probably not as wild to, compared to some. Mm. <laughs> but I just needed somebody to put an arm around me and just say, right, you need to do this, you need to do that, but nobody did it. No, somebody just said, oh, forget about him. He's too wild, We can't. he's uncoachable. And if a coach says he's uncoachable, you have to be a bad coach. The top coaches in the game now can get the best out of any player. And you know that. And it shows with some people. I'd probably say if it wasn't for Warren Gatlin, I'd probably die young when I joined Cardiff. I probably wouldn't have done what I've done. And I, a lot goes out to Warren Gatlin, what he'd done for, mis, for myself. The way he handled me, um, but, and, you know, he's back in Wales now, and I think he'll get the best out of them. In terms of handling you, what do you mean? What does that mean? Because Warren Gatland well, is one of the, the greatest of all time, well, and some, we'll get onto the Welsh stuff later, but yeah, for you personally. Well, somebody just to put an arm around and say, right, you need to cut this out. If you ever got a problem, come and talk to me. If you've got that little thing in your back of your mind, think you want to do it, just phone me up, and I'll come with you and have a beer and stuff like that, you know? Just sort of... Like Keep, a father figure. Yeah, like a father figure, yeah. That's what he did. And he was genuine, like oh, it was you could, deep -rooted. you could trust him. Mm. With some other coaches, you couldn't trust. But that's mental because he's the coach of Wales, right? And the British and Irish Lions, like, he's the boss boss. The people that you don't want to show your true self to because... But then he'd understand. Why? Why do you think that is? Well, I just think it's the person he is. He's just... Well, you speak to everybody. Everybody loves him. He's they a do. great coach. And I wouldn't say he's... The best coach, he's a very good man-manager and a great understanding of how to get the best out of every individual in that squad. And still, at the same time, he allows people 
to sort of have a few beers and get on with their own life. But when you come to training, you have to have your head on. So if you're coming into training, not that you reeking but the day after you would be how was he with you as long well, as you've won, won or did he have to pull you aside and say look mate not good enough there's been a, one or twice yet once or twice he said it but i can remember the one time i got i won 14 grand on a bet well it was more than that but uh, that was the one other time 96 grand was the other time i beg your pardon and i come in steaming how much was that 96 and i come in steaming and i showed him the betting slip and i had to front up and i beat everybody in fitness but you, you couldn't do it very often otherwise you'd be gone but that's the kind of coach he was he was brilliant you say you beat everyone in fitness one thing i i always remember playing against you but seeing you aesthetically as well as you were a freak athlete <laughs> yeah. yeah i was i pushed myself to the limit both ways i used to say to myself if i don't come in the top three i'll die i always used to push myself you know 2011 world cup was one of the fittest in the squad playing for <laughs> wales during that time of glory and hysteria mm. was it absolutely mental i didn't get capped till i was 28 you know i was in the Welsh squad when i was 22 but never got picked and then i went off the radar and i didn't get capped till i was 28 you always want to play for your country but it was just yeah it's the best moment of my life really and you know especially having them characters around always oh, dressing fun and like some of the fun would be when you're supposed to be doing your analysis on the computer there'd be Cheltenham Festival on with a TV on but the coaches used to like having a bit of a bet and uh, we'd be turning the analysis off bet 365 straight on the screen we'd be having like 500 grid, grand on a horse and then Bernie would be celebrating over there and think, what bloody hell he's celebrating about then I'd be celebrating and somebody else would be celebrating it was just it was brilliant though but yeah best times of your life what about the playing aspect of it? Because you were so good as a team, I sent you that clip just because I was looking at it from yeah. 2010, which is infamous and famous for a number of different things. But just for the listeners, 2010, we played against each other yeah. in that game. We, as in Scotland, were beating Wales with four minutes to go, 24 points to 14, and somehow we managed to butcher it. So if we talk about the game and the atmosphere, I suppose, but also the nights out in Cardiff after any test match, like we could have got beaten by 50, we could have won that game, it wouldn't have made a difference. But yeah. the reason I sent you that game was because when we were chatting, yeah, that year is an infamous year for your stories. But also, I just thought I'd have a look. I've never looked back. And then that game in 2010, Tom Evans broke his neck, yeah, never played again, and was life-threatening if it wasn't for James Robson might, not, might yeah. not be here. Chris Patterson, the Scotland 15, ruptured his kidney or yeah. something ridiculous like that. And then, not as important, but for the context, we're beating Wales 24-14 with four minutes to go. We're drawing the game 24-all. The clock's red. The clock is red and we lose. And that is probably why that went into the night how it did. Well, it was it was a crazy game. I, well, I've never seen a game like it. Um, you guys should have won. Well, I was looking back at some of the things today. It, it's mad. It'll probably never happen again. It was surreal. I got subbed after 60 minutes, and you're just thinking, it's not going to be much fun. You're not going to be allowed to go out. You're going to go back to the ho the hotel, have a few quiet pints, and you're going to get a bollocking in the morning. It's just the way the, the game went. Lee Halfpenny scored. 
I think you were down to 13 men. We went down Dobson to 13. Went, uh, yeah, yeah uh, Godman got Godman, Simbin, yeah, Simbin for tripping someone. He'd only yeah. been on about a minute. Leeburn, he tripped him, and it's hope. And I thought, we got a chance. And then we took the three points where I think in today's game we would have gone for the corner. And the clock went red. And I think Scott were going to kick it straight out. But we didn't know what to do because we didn't have a 10 on the pitch. And it kept it and in. And everyone was hanging. Um, yeah, he was just hanging on and we won the game. Shane Williams. Yeah, And then all hell broke loose. Yeah. <laughs> the atmosphere in that stadium there. I've never watched a game back. That's the first time I've looked at it. And you can... Like the phone's almost vibrating, the cameras in the stadium. It yeah. was... Oh, it's crazy. It was absolutely mental. Yeah. It was crazy. In one of the best stadiums to play in the world in terms of atmosphere and energy. It's probably one of the best games to be played there, really, the way it went. And, mm. you know, whenever Wales plays Scotland, it's always the best, one of the best games. The passion, they like each other, but you give everything on that pitch. But the night out after... Well, I can remember... We'd, I think we went back... The, was it the Hilton? The Hilton Hotel. We had a drink together. Yeah. And I can remember a lot of the Scottish players were, well, they're down. Mm. Typical Mike Phillips. I can remember Mike Phillips getting steam in and going up to one of the tables with the Scots on and going, guys, don't get too depressed. You can come and have a few beers, but you have to remember this. You're not used to fucking winning. And I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I thought Alistair Dickinson was going to kill him. And they started drinking in and we all went into Cardiff and that was a blur. And then, yeah. Then you jumped the onto best, the M4. The best, the best thing I've done for after dinner speaking. I know. It's, it's brilliant. Well, we're going to save it just a little bit more because I remember that happening with Mike Phillips, so humble, to my mate Dicko. And we were naturally quite downright because Tom was in hospital, uh, Chris Patterson was in hospital, and we've just been beat. Yeah. But Richie Gray, it was his first cap. cap yeah. And he came on for me. I should say we were winning when I came off. That's all I remember, right? We were winning <laughs> when I came off. Richie comes on first cap. And you you want to make it memorable, right? Yeah. So we're drinking with Richie. You guys are buying him drinks. This is back in the day, right? It's about 13 years ago. It's awesome. Was it 13 years ago? It was. Yeah. 2010. Gosh. Flies, doesn't it? It really does. And then we've taken Richie out. And I remember we're in Revolutions. And he is, you've got to remember, he's bigger than me. So he's six foot ten. Massive. Same colour hair as you've got yeah. now. All right, mate. It's, I mean, it looked great. Yeah, in two thousand, it looks great now on you. <laughs> but he has projectile vomited over everyone. And remember how high he is yeah. on the dance floor. So being a leader, I've carried him out. And as I've carried him out of revolutions, I remember you walking into the bar. Someone had ripped open your shirt, cigarette in your mouth. You looked a million dollars. You could smoke it in the bars, can you? You could smoke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think even if you couldn't, I'm sure Andy Powell in Wales having just yeah. beat. Scotland. You couldn't do that. Yeah, you can. I just remember carrying him over my shoulders like platoon. You walking in and saying, are you coming back? I said, yeah, I'll be back soon. Like you've got a good memory. I, I remember these things. I might just make them up. They just sound like, No, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. I remember you walking in. You were like the king. You were like the kingpin. That's right. I think I had a trouser leg. Yeah, trouser leg missing. Yeah, yeah, trouser leg was ripped off. You might have asked me to do that. That's just there was a picture did. in the Western Mail of me on the front page. Your shirt was open. You yeah, were lean. All the buttons. I think all the buttons yeah. were ripped off. And, and then... then I think we got back to the Vale about four o'clock in the morning. Can't remember getting back. And you're thinking, are you going to get back to the Vale? You're going to get to your room. But the boys are still drinking in the bar. Gatlin was still drinking. And I can remember Gatlin comes up to me and he goes, can I get a cigarette? So we're having a cigarette outside. Shane Williams, Lee Byrne. (laughs) And it just, it's like being with your mates. And it was just talking about the game, talking about the night. How did it go? Can't remember much. Gone back in for a few drinks. 
I've had to then sponge a fag off Bernie. And Gatlin comes out, he goes, can I have a cigarette? I was the only one outside then to finish my fag off. I said, I haven't got any fags. He goes, oh, I'll go and get some fags. I said, drive? I said, I'm not driving. But I had that in my head then. So I'd gone to the concierge back in. I said, is there any chance I can borrow the room key so I can take my luggage to the room? And he goes, no, I just heard the conversation. You're going to drive. I said, I'm not going to drive. So I'd gone back to the room. And the night before we'd played Scotland, I was sharing a room with Hockey. And the bulb had gone in the room. So I had a flathead screwdriver. So I'd gone back to the room, got the flathead screwdriver, put it in the ignition. I made my 45-minute journey down the M4 to the service station with my friend beside me. And I can remember Junction 32 coming off it, and it started to splutter. And I'm thinking, shit, we've run out of fuel. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, we're never going to get back. So we managed to get up, pull outside the pump. My mate's gone in for the fags. Lifted the seat up, and then the yellow nozzle started filling up with fuel. And I'm thinking, uh, sobering up, what the fuck am I doing? And I looked at this nozzle and it said, this vehicle is battery propelled. So I don't know where the fuck the fuel was going. <laughs> and this copper has pulled up behind. And I'm looking at this copper. He's just opened the cap of his car, started filling up. And he's noticed then. And he goes, and what are you doing? I said, I haven't got a clue. And I've been arrested a few times in my career. I'm not proud of it. And he goes, right, put the golf cart on top of the bank, jump in the car and it'll all be hash-hash, and you'll be fine. So we're going back down the motorway now, back to the Vale, and the copper sergeant gets on the blower. There's somebody going down the M4 on a golf cart. He's causing carnage. You need to stop him. And he said, Anne, you know what's happening now. I'm going to have to arrest you. So he arrested me. And as we're driving for Cardiff, I've done it once before with the copper. I said, is there any chance you can take us through a drive through McDonald's? And people are thinking, no way. Yes way. So we pull in. He goes, what do you want? I said, I'll have a Big Mac and 20 chicken nuggets. And I know, it's so random. So we get our food. My mate's having food in his back. I've got my burger, ketchup, dipping the uh, chicken nuggets into the sauce, eating them. And the copper goes, do you mind if I have one? And he picks his chicken nugget out the box, dips it in. I say, what do you think? He goes, mate, they are bloody lovely, they are. And then time of the day, get to the station. I had a few photographs of the coppers. A cigarette as well and then they put me in a cell and i think they let me out 11 o'clock the next day I turned up back at the vale there's a massive wedding going on and the bride and groom were having pictures on the front lawn and the bride comes running over i pick her up like this and she goes well, my god is andy powell and then that was in the front page of the picture the next day and i get home it was valentine's day wasn't it my mum rings me from london they'd gone for a big meal with friends and she goes you're right darling i said i'm fine I'll always get through it. I said, I was the old man when he just walked up and got out the restaurant. That's typical of my old man. Just walked out. Thought I'd blown it all. Never going to play for Wales again. And then Gatlin's rings me. I didn't want to answer it. He goes, right, you're going to have to have a little bit of time off. Two weeks off. You're going to have to have a ban. And he goes, have you decided to go anywhere? I said, yeah, I've, I've already booked. He goes, we're off. I said, I've just booked Amsterdam. So I went to Amsterdam for four days. And I come back more sketchy than I went over there. <laughs> yeah. The old uh, hash cakes. It was good. Just chill me out a bit. Well, there's some hash cakes. Yeah, I needed it. <laughs> Just hash cakes? Yeah, well, I think there was someone else, but uh, yeah, hash cakes are the best ones. So with that story there, 
it's part of the narrative that's followed you around because people remember it and some people be like oh you shouldn't laugh about drink driving and everything that goes with that we shouldn't but no this you know it was a uh, something stupid and a moment in time so yeah, like you got was. punished you, do you get done for drink driving i did yeah oh you did yeah i had um 18 months but lucky enough i moved to wasps and didn't really need it was all tube but every Tuesday for the first six weeks when I joined, I had to do a drink uh, driver's awareness course. And there was 40 people, there was 40 people in the room. And I can remember turning up at this venue in Acton. We all sat around this massive table. And the first person got up and the guy goes, you know, what happened to you? He goes, I had an argument with the missus. I took a car down the road, crashed into a lamppost. And it came to me then, the last one. Well, I'm Andy Powell. I took a golf gun. And when I guess, oh my God, is that head or over there? So I did it for the six weeks and then... I think at eleven month ban. Yeah, it was. You look back, it was stupid. But was that is that the loosest one? There was another one as well about you having a big scrap. I say a scrap. Oh, did, with the QPR you, fans. Did you get filled in or did you fight back? No, I got filled in. Yeah, I think twenty two stitches in the back of my head with Tim Payne. Of course, when you're wasps. Yeah. Well, we, well, Tim Payne was going for a bit of a, a bad patch. He wasn't getting pecked, and he rings me up um, Tuesday morning. No, it was Thursday morning, and I think we were playing Exeter on the Saturday. And I said, I'm not drinking too much. I said, I've got a big game this week. I said, I'll have two or three beers, go home. I think it was 16 Cronenberg, 16 tequilas, 16 um, Jaeger bombs. And we went down to watch QPR against Cardiff, obviously a Cardiff fan. And we were singing songs. They were singing songs. We were doing shots with all the fa- fans. Tim Payne had gone outside for a cigarette. And I don't, know what, I don't know what happened. It was some sort of kerfuffle in there. And then Tim Payne comes back and I'm lying on the floor, blood pissing up my head. And I can remember going to hospital that night and they put all the sticky patches, but they were worried about me. So they stitched my head up and Payne, was sleeping in the chair. So I tapped him and I said, Payne, come on, we can get out of here now. So I ripped all the patches off. He put my shirt back on and we went down this pub nine o'clock in the morning and started getting back on it. And then Sean Edwards rings me and says, are you okay? I said, I've just seen the news. So I had a chat with him and I think I got sacked on the Friday afternoon. And did you, were you playing for Wales at the time? Playing oh, for Wales, yeah. And was that the straw that broke the camel's back, or? Well, I still, I went back in after that, so I got you know back into the Welsh team. But um, it was a good thing that Gatlin was coaching. So when all this madness is happening, right? Gatlin's at the helm, right? Yeah. He's the one that texts you, say, "Have a bit of time off, get to Amsterdam, get some Ash Browns down here, come back refreshed." Was there anything where he came up to you and was like, "Look, enough's enough now"? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Which bit? <laughs> Every bit, I think. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I know. It's, yeah, probably too much in the fast lane, probably, Jim. Well, that was it. We thought when we were talking a few years ago about your book was going to be called Life in the Fast Lane. Is it still in the making? Well, it is in the making. It's just about, yeah, getting it out there. We'll get it out there. We will get it out. There's yeah. a few little things have to change. Life in the fast lane. No dropping people in it, so. Well, that's the hard thing. I always said, well, I'd bring out a book and I'd change, like, yeah, I, Harry I, Ellis's name to, like, Steve Ellis and... Martin Johnson would be like player Bob, Bob Johnson. Player A. <laughs> player A, player B. <laughs> <laughs> Only we'll know who it is. No, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't drop people on the bat. That's not me. I've never been a person like that. I just have to do player A, player B. So you mentioned Gatland, and when Sean Edwards has spoke to you after that scrap, how did he deal with everything? Because I think people were quite surprised because Gatland is, again, the Wales coach, Sean Edwards is involved in France. Like, this ain't 30 years ago. This is fairly recent in mm. the grand scheme of things with coaches that are involved. 
Well, I think the more the thing about the QPR thing was I was the one who was attacked and, well, on the floor when you got two or three pints of bread coming at your head. But there was, I think there's more to this story than which people know. I think I was going for a new contract at the time. I was going to sign for more money in Wasps. And I think Dai Young was coming in. And I think that, I, I, I'm i not sure about this. I think that there was something going on with the plays he signed. And they were like, oh, we don't want Andy here. So I don't know. I think there was something about it like that. So, it, you know, it's done. And I went to sale and probably the best thing I've done. Your relationship with Steve Diamond, how was that? Because he's a, a, a rugby man. He's old school. Old school, which I love. Top guy. I loved him. Yeah. He was after. he loose? Yeah, he was good. He was just a sound bloke. He was just, yeah, just looked after you. And he knew I loved having a beer. And he'd say, right, if you want to go for a beer and you're not going to get hassled, I know this mate who would look after you. And you can be in this bar and he'll look after you. So he used to sit down and have a beer with me and just look after me. That's brilliant. I love when you trust somebody. You know, there's not many people you can trust. And yeah, but he was a, he was a top coach. I loved it there. Two years what I had there. Brilliant. So if you have a few beers under Steve Diamond up in Manchester again, it's a great culture, a great nightlife. It was a, yeah, a great culture. Did you have to back up when you came in or was there an understanding that like you're different to everyone else? Like oh, a, to- no, a Tom he, or a Ben Curry that would have been 12 at the time. But Yeah, a kid, a young kid. But yeah, you would, don't get me wrong. If you did come in and had a few too many on a Sunday night, you'd have to work hard and train, but you wouldn't do it every, every Sunday. Mm. Because there's a story, the myth, that you did a fitness test in your weightlifting shoes. Yeah. You had to run 10 miles or something, <laughs> and you beat everyone. Well, I don't think I beat everybody, but I still did it. But I'll tell you, there was a good story about Steve Diamond. We were, I think it was the second year there. London Welsh had just got promoted, and I think we lost eight games on the trot. And there was a massive fallout amongst players, people having a go, blaming people. Like, when shit hits the fan, people blame each other. When you're doing well, people don't. So I can remember going up to Steve Diamond. I said, right, we need to stop this. Otherwise, it's going to affect us. I said, we need a good team bonding session, all of us in a bar, just us, nobody else, lock the doors and have everything out. And we had Sips there. We had Sam Tuatupo. The boys were scrapping in the bar and eventually stopped. We all had a few beers and we went on to win six games on the trot. Probably kept us up. Bit of old school, see, Jim. It always helps. And was Sips part of that? Was he happy with the old school element? But what was it like playing well, with Danny Cipriani? I like Sips. I think he's misunderstood. A great talent. Bit like myself, uh, needed that guy, a coach to trust him and put his arm around him. But he's a clever guy. He understands the game. I Did like. he like the hysteria that goes with it? Because he's, again, I grew up with Sips. I was in the England Academy back when I was English. And there was this, <laughs> I mean, I'm Leicester, he's Wasp. There was the whole Martin Johnson, yeah. Lawrence Delalio, the Leicester Wasp split. But Sips was just a bit more than all of us when it came to fame. and Yeah, that's probably the thing which let him down in a way. But he wanted that, though, didn't he? Yeah, I think, yeah. But I think he wanted both at the same time. But you can't do that, can you? I don't think so. You have to either, you can do that after. Concentrate on the rugby first, and then you can do whatever you want to after. Well, they say nothing good comes after midnight. <laughs> yeah. so, beg to differ, but... I could differ in many ways. Across the board. With the drinking and stuff like that, and I'm not impartial to a drink, I enjoyed a drink midweek, mm. but I did know my limits. I very rarely went back to back. So you had an issue drinking early on. Was that throughout your career? Because it's, I think it's quite important because we all smile when we hear your name, when we're in your company, but it must be quite dark at times when you're in that 
you know, deep-rooted, I was going to say issue or addiction. I don't, I don't know what the word is. Well, I wouldn't drink every day. I probably, well, after a game, I'd definitely drink. Mm. And then a Sunday, I used to love a Sunday. And then Monday, I wouldn't drink. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, happy days. Well, yeah, <laughs> happy days. But then it could change if somebody said, oh, like Payne, just said, come out for a few quiet pints. Mm. I don't wake up in the morning thinking of a beer. No way. I just like having a beer and talking to people. I don't need beer to talk to somebody, but I just like having a pint. That's that's how I am, which well, I think a lot of people are. Mm. What was the vice then? Was it the gambling? And I ask this because a lot of us or a lot of people who play rugby are thinking about the future, right? They're thinking, yeah. right, if I play for this club, make this much money, I can do this, I can do that, but I'm going to put a bit away. Like if you're gambling all the oh, time. Yeah. Have you got anything left? Did you have anything left? Oh, man, I've probably blown everything. And it's a sad thing to say, but I think back then you had no help. With players now, you could go and say, I've got a problem. They'd give you the help. They'd give you the advice. But we didn't have it back then. So what was the problem? So gambling and then just on that, like you've blown it, as in what? You blew well, everything? Yeah, most, yeah, everything, everything, yeah. But I'm getting better now. And with that there, because you would have been a high earner, right? So you would Yeah, have well, been... first contract 36, I probably averaged out about 170 grand a year, 240 in sale. Over how many years were you playing? 17, I've probably been professional 17, 18 years. Mm. It's a long time. And you blew the lot. But I could sit by you now and say, I regret it all. And yeah, I regret it, but then you have to move forward. You have to get on with life and try and do something to earn money again. It's, it was it was tough. And I, yeah, it was tough. But, you know, I'm my own person to blame. You know, I don't blame anybody else. And what was the vice? Was it horse racing, gambling, or was it a bit of everything? Yeah, horse racing was a big mm. thing. You know, when you finish training, you finish training at 3 o'clock, straight down the book, he's having a few bets, and then you lose. You know, some days you win good money, then it just carries on. It's You know, it's from a young age. And I think my grandfather was a massive gambler, and I say, yeah, and it just went from there. Was it within your means, though? So in terms of what you got paid, oh, or did you... Well, I can remember sometimes you'd, you'd blow everything, and then you'd be ringing the club up saying, can you put another month's wages up front? And, yeah, it was pretty bad at the time. Really? Yeah that bad and they didn't didn't have the alarm bells ringing well some clubs did help and then some clubs tried to give a bit of advice which i did but then you sort of go back sometimes and it's in your head and it's boredom it is if you're occupied and you've got something to go for you're better and that's what i've got now but that's what i mean it's boredom but addiction and the mentality of i think since having kids i think because you think if you're gambling and yeah, it's, their, their, it's their money. Yeah, their food. It's their food and stuff, so that's how it's changed. And did you get help? After? I did have help, yeah. And, yeah, just doing things with your life, more constructive things, and that's what I've done now. And What are you doing now? I mean, well, the last co- video you sent me, you were on a steamroller down the building site, like as in... Oh, doing a bit of graft. You're doing a bit of graft. Doing a bit of graft, a bit of speaking. Um, you still doing the graft? Yeah doing, yeah, doing a little bit of graft, which I don't mind. A bit of coaching, so that's going well. Yeah, it's, it's good, mate. It's just keeping busy, really, for me. And what about your former teammates and coaches? Do they reach out? I know we go back and forth on a few bits. Do, is there a nucleus of players that you still keep in contact with? Yeah, mate. It's like anything. We don't see them for a long time. We don't hear from them. It's like nothing's changed, especially me and you. It's just like normal. It's like we've never been apart, really. It's And I think it's the people you trust. But I, just, I could just hang around with anybody, mate. Well, that's what I mean. But I mean, your teammates who you 
did things with that not many other people do things with winning grand slams going on lions tours yeah. like them them people them brothers yeah yeah like Stephen ferris speak to kelly brown speak to a lot you know filzy lee Byrne. you know there's still good guys you've there? only named two welsh lads i know kelly's a good lad <laughs> i like kelly down to earth kelly brown yeah good yeah, he's good. scottish though i want about your teammates yeah I still, yeah yeah bernie and them lot yeah yeah it's bradley davis yeah I'm 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 personal. I only trust the people I like. We are black and white as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. And we saw something on social media when Ryan Jones's stuff came out. Oh yeah, I know. And again, look, we should talk about it because it is the topical thing in mm. rugby. Like speaking to Billy Vanapola about it. I spoke to Lawrence Delalio, and then, as you know, in our circles, in other circles, not just mine and your circle, but other circles. People have different opinions, right? And I've got mates who are struggling with concussion and they're involved yeah. in the litigation with World Rugby. My opinions are out there. You've done it in your way, the Andy Power way, in the black and white way of doing it. You yeah. also did it on Twitter, which is really difficult to contextualise yeah. what you're saying. Now, for the listeners, Ryan Jones came out as one of the other players recently yeah. um, saying that he has been diagnosed, I think, yeah. with early onset dementia. Yeah and is involved in the court cases and the litigations against World Rugby and Welsh Rugby Union and the unions and everything that goes with that. How was the fallout from that? Did he get in contact with you? Did you tweet it in terms of, because that's how you feel about it? Do you feel differently about it now? No, I, I, that was blown out of proportion. You know, I I like Ryan, you know, and what's happened to these players, you know, dementia, m and it's, it's, it's tragic. It's, it's just horrible. And... The way I put it, didn't mean it to be like that. And it just got blown out of proportion. I've got all sympathy with everybody. And it's, you know, it's just not affecting him. It's affecting his family. And you know what Twitter's like. You can put a comment and you don't mean it to be like that. But then when somebody, the keyboard warriors out there, they twist things and then other people start believing them. There's uh, no tone, is there? That's the thing. There's no yeah. tone or conversation around it. And I think what people don't realise is we're in it. We're not just randomers saying things no. or tweeting things. Like we're very immature to this, and yeah. we're also idiots. Yeah, as well. Like yeah. we are. Yeah, and we some are. Some of the stuff that we say, and that's fine. And the fact that we can go back and change our mind. Like someone said to me, "Oh, but you said this about oh, we signed up, and it's you know you don't care." I don't feel like that now. More things have come out, but we're educating ourselves on these things, right? And we're watching we things unfold. And also, there's a protective element of the game and what the game's given us yeah and this is the thing around it and people have their own stories and their own feelings and again chatting to billy about it some people are doing it for money because they've come out of the game they've lost everything i'm not saying that ryan jones or alex popham or steve thompson or any of my mates that are going through the process that is them specifically but there are Mm. people yeah that i know that have struggled financially for different reasons that if someone's getting a hundred grand payout because they've got symptoms of depression, anxiety, mm. memory loss, which in my opinion go hand in hand with retirement and transition and struggling yeah. and lack of exercise, nutrition's not the same, your purpose isn't the same. Yeah. But they might well be going through that process of early onset dementia, which is horrifying. Yeah, it is. But what I'm trying to say is the understanding of that is now. Mm. It wasn't back then. And 
sometimes I feel that there's an opportunist player that if someone's getting paid a hundred thousand pound, whatever the number is, it could be a million pound. Yeah. There'll be a slight part of you and you. I mean, what would you do with a million pound or a hundred grand? I know what you'd do. <laughs> But you're thinking, well, I played in the same era, I played the same games, I went through the same process. You know, I'm not feeling great. No. I'm going to go for it as well. Yeah, and then no, that, exactly. And you can, see, you can see that, but then part of that is some of them want to come out and voiced it. Yeah. And there'll be a good thing for that because... And it's it, powerful then. It is powerful, but I, I'm split on it because the ones that are giving it a voice, as much as sometimes I disagree with them, through that, they're giving that a voice and they're putting profile on that, which has accelerated change mm. in the game. So there's a positive around it, but there's part of me that feels negative about it. But yeah, your interaction with Ryan Jones, did he reach out to you? I've got no problem. No, no. He didn't say anything. Uh, no, because I, I didn't. It was blown all out of proportion and I didn't mean it to sound like it was. It was just, you know what it's like. It's, you know, I've done it. But I've learned because whatever you put on there, somebody's going to try and put you down some other way. And But that's, that's the world we live in today. Everybody's trying to backstab everybody else and trying to put them down. And that's the world we live in. You just have to crack on and just really sort of just be careful what you put down on it, really. Do you chat to Gats or anything now? Do you have a casual relationship with him? I haven't, I haven't seen him for a while. I think the last time I seen him was in Cheltenham. He likes a horse as well, does he? He likes the bears. Yeah, has he got a horse or not? Who does? I, I think he did. Yeah, he did have a few. Yeah, he did have a few horses, but I don't know if he's got them now. When he went back to New Zealand, yeah, I think I read something. He's a good guy. I said to you before we recorded, Rob Howley was meant to come in, and I see your face drop, and we can get into that as well. I don't know much about Rob Howley, but I've always liked him. I know you've got a different relationship, and this is the whole thing with coaches. But it was interesting because he pulled out of the interview because I think he was getting the Wales job. And then the WRU, apparently, from Gatlin's comments, I'm reading that they pulled the plug because of the history and what happened to Rob Howley during the Lions tour getting done for betting on well, the games. I, well, I look at it this way. At the end of the day, he's had a bet. He shouldn't have done it, betting on rugby. But it's done. It's He's done his time. Bring the guy back in. Um, well, I've... I've Met him a few times since that's happened, and he, se he seems a lot better bloke. Rob Howley, like I probably get on with him better now than I did when he was coaching me, because we didn't see eye to eye. But now, because he's probably not coaching, he seems more down to earth, more chilled out. It's probably been a kick up the ass for him, really. So he's had to become more of a, you know, down to earth person instead. He was a bit stuck up, a bit arrogant. Did you as players know he'd have a gambling problem? Was that a surprise? Well, I think a few of the players did know that. Yeah, but what he did, betting on rugby is a bit different. Whatever he does in his own time, betting on horses, that's fine. But on rugby is a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, when you're in it and you've got an inside take. Well, I can remember when, what did I, I put 100 quid on me, um, first try score against Cardiff against Edinburgh. And Mike Phillips goes, uh, I want you to pick up from the base, popped me nine, dummied him, scored first try scorer, had a few grand back, was happy days. He, <laughs> he was tamping and we, we beat him. He was like, he's you twat. I've got three grand back. I think it was 25 to one to score the first try. You put bets on yourself? Yeah. I can remember. Any others? I, come on. I've had a few first-time try scorers. Two of they've come in. Bit of fun. Is that why you didn't pass? Yeah, always, yeah. <laughs> How's family life? Yeah, good. Because mate. that, like you said there, is the shift <clears throat> for anyone, whether or not the success 
whether or not there's the ups and downs, the transition, everything comes back to family, right? The kids, yeah, the misses. How important has that been for you to stay on the straight and narrow? It's stability because it's not about me now. It's about the kids. And that keeps you... Oh, yeah, of course it is. Laser focused, yeah. yeah. But don't get me wrong, sometimes if you have two or three days on the BA, you can sort of slip off. But then I'm pretty good now at getting back into the... Back into it. What kind of a coach is Andy Powell? Is it hard for the lads to take you seriously? Or have you got that kind of double-edged sword where it's like fun, but then when you get over the line... Exactly. Train for an hour and a half. Let's be serious. After training, a few beers, and the same as a Saturday. But when... Yeah, I've, I've well, I've learned of 14 different coaches, remember? And I never thought I'd be a coach. But Do you I, like it? I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Which bit? I probably know more about lineouts now. I couldn't jump in a line. Well, I could jump, but I, I got confused by all the calls when I got play, whether I was playing. And but, you were slipping with now, all the fake time. But now, I do it everything, reading up on it, going through all the moves. And it's something which I love. Much opportunity in coaching, is there? Or again, I haven't you... been given an opportunity, no. but I'd love an opportunity. What would be the dream? Uh, like, as in the, the realistic dream? Well, I think the next one would be a Nat, nat 1 championship mm. and then whatever forwards coach in the top level. Do you speak to coaches, get a bit of insight, or do you just do your own do thing? My, well, I'm not being self Well, I just do my own thing and just read up on things, see how I can make myself better, players better, and yeah. Just an opportunity, and some people get them, some people don't. Mm. You know, if somebody give me an opportunity, I'd definitely take it with two hands. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you look at Wales now, there's a lot of, been a lot of change. I never, never saw Warren Gatlin going back after he had the gate put up. It's never the same when you go back. Do you think it's going to be different for Gatlin going back? Well, Can think, he replicate what he did before? Do you think the expectation is for him to bring that back that quickly? Different group of players, but he, he's dead. I think he'd be right. He wouldn't have come back otherwise. Yes, with a big fat paycheck, yeah, it's different. But he doesn't want to. Come, he wants to come back to put Wales back on the map again. And I think with the coaching staff he's got, Alex King, Forshaw, brilliant from Sale, yeah. You know, Stephen Jones. I feel a bit. Hard done by. Do you know why he wasn't kept on? I don't know. Great player and such a nice lad. Um, Gethin Jenkins, mm, not much of a character, quite boring. But that doesn't mean that he can't coach a scrum, or can he not? He was doing scrum, right? 
Yeah. Was um, he doing scrum or was he doing... I'm a bit shocked with Jonathan defense. Humphrey staying on. Yeah, I worked with Humphrey th- as well. They he, struggled up front with yeah, the line I out. I honestly thought that he was going to go straight, but there must be something which Gatlin likes about him. Alex King and Gatlin, I think that's because they were in Wasps together. So mm. I think that could be exciting. Yeah, I like King. But they got some great, they got some great youngsters coming forward. But Gatlin will get the best out of every player. The players that he's got, there's still some old school ones in there, like Alan Wynne Jones. And I'm not, I don't want to keep bagging on about trying to end people's careers. Right, I've got history of doing that with Johnny Sexton, Alan <laughs> Wynne Jones, just to name two. Is Alan Wynne Jones one of them players that? he will retire on his own terms or is it the fact that Wales don't have any depth in the second row or is it the fact that he's that integral with his experience? I mean, you, there's only so many times you can go to the well and he's been to the well more than anyone we know in the modern game probably at the highest level. But he's, yeah, I think he can still do it. He's been playing well for the Ospreys and he, he looks different for the last two or three months. He looks better again. Who knows? I think he's doing a lot with the forwards. You know, he's he'd be a brilliant coach. I think he can still do it. But if you don't have him around, you know, it's a big loss. Mm. What are the issues in Wales then? So what have they had? The regions are struggling, as we know. What's the lay of the land if you've spoken to anyone or your opinions on why um, there's a lack of investment or a lack of growth? I know Ospreys in recent weeks have, have done pretty well, but apart from that... I think it's the politics with all the regions and... But... You know, Ireland have done it. You know, when we went from 14 clubs to regional, you know, some fans weren't coming to the stadiums. You know, you don't you don't get big crowds anymore. Mm. Um, but it's, I think it's more from the grassroots level, develop, developing these players and getting more scouts out there, picking these younger players from who play in the championship, going down to the Nat 1 level, um, Division 1, picking these players and blooding them earlier. But some of these players in the academy, when they get selected to go and play for the regional teams, they haven't played any rugby. I think they should be loaned out to lower league game, uh, clubs so they get a bit more rugby in them. It's it's more politics, I think. Any news from Pivak? Do you think it was the right call? Oh, definitely the right even, call. Even if Gatlin wasn't there. I say the right call. I yeah. don't know why I'm second-guessing that. I don't want to see coaches go, but is it his fault, really? They got beat by Georgia and beat by Italy. I mean, the, again, the regions weren't performing. The Six Nations results kind of mm. spoke for themselves, really. They won... Doesn't Not help. many, but they lost to... The big one was they lost to Italy, wasn't it? And then they lost to Georgia. Georgia. That was the one, wasn't it? Yeah, the was, Georgia one was the one. That was an ailment coffin, really, for him on that. Mm. You know, it's... When you go back to the Italy game, and I think, you know, Will Rowland, the second row, they picked Alan Wynne jones over him, and Will Rowland was playing well at the time. And I think it's just carried on, carried on, especially, and then losing to Georgia was just... Yeah, that was it. But that wouldn't happen with Gatlin. That wouldn't have happened. No. He would have picked the right players. He would have played a strong side. Yeah, it's. I think it's it's good to see Gats back. And I think everybody is, everybody's bouncing in Wales for it. And you never know. I know Ireland's going to be a tough ask first game, Six Nations. But you never know with Gatlin. He's picked Ken Owens, the sheriff, as yeah. captain. Good decision. Yeah, good decision. You play with Ken yeah, when good, he was a young lad. Great player. Old lots, school lots of Old school, lots of experience. Dynamic, good throwing in. Good around the park. And that's first choice. Need. First choice. By quite a way. Yeah. What kind of a captain in terms of speaking is he? Not that he needs to be, but... No, I think, like, don't get me wrong. I think he, the more experience you have as captain, you get better at speaking. But I think what he does on the pitch, I think players look up to him. I think it's a great choice. Would he have picked Alan Jones as captain? But it was in his mind to do it. Yeah, because obviously Dan Bigger was captain before. But, struggled with injury at yeah. 10. But playing well for too long. 
He is playing well. Yeah, I that's, what, that's what they've missed, the kicker. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it was the right decision. Ken Owens, definitely. Wow, he's, again... Tons I, of experience. I much prefer having a captain in the forwards. Yeah. There's been a shift recently. You look at Johnny Sexton for Ireland. Farrell. Farrell. Dan Bigger. Yeah. It's, you know, there's been a kind of shift, hasn't there, really, in terms of moving out the forwards. But I yeah. think people seem to be going back. Tipperick, do you play with him? Yeah, class player. Everyone says he's classy. In what way? We've just, seen the we've every, seen the highlights recently of him. Everything about doing, him. Everything everything he's got. He's so talented. He's a great player. And we talk about Sam Sam Warburton, what he's done for Wales Lions. I think Tipperick's a better player. Mm. Yeah, just gifted, isn't he? Gifted. Everything about him. See, this is the thing with and Wales. He's, he's a clever player. Well, this is the thing with Wales. I think a lot of people, including myself, we're kind of counting them out, thinking, right, look at the regions, look at how they're playing. Alan Wynne Jones, he's he's too old. Dan Bigger, I know he's thirty, but struggling a bit with injury. Now he's playing in France. How much does he really want to play for Wales? Well, clearly he'll want to keep playing for Wales because that's his country. But yeah. he's got an eye on being in France. You're not going to get managed there. Mentioned the regions and how poorly they're performing, but Ospreys are coming through. But you look at the spine of the team now. If you mm. go through Ken Owens, you've got Alan Beard, British and Irish Lion, Tipperick's coming good. Wynne Jones. Wynne Jones, of course. You've yeah. got Jack Morgan. Jack Morgan, yeah, quality. Tommy Rafael. Now you look at it, we're naming not just good players, like as in top quality players. Yeah, yeah. So when people are writing off Wales, and me included in that, now Gatlin's back, that first game at home. Well, there's there's going to be a lot of excitement about, but, you know, Ireland, they'll be one of the favourites to win the World Cup. Oh, But don't get me wrong, I tell you, if Gatlin works his magic and them coaches with the players and brings... I think the one thing which Wales have been lacking is confidence in the players. Mm. And Gatlin will bring that confidence back up and they'll play another 30 to 40% better. But you look at Ireland in that first game. Oh. I was chatting to my mate who's a physio there, Stephen Much. Big shout out to Stephen Much. He used to treat me, put, my fingers, put his fingers in my mouth, pressure spot from my back or something. It worked um, with rubber gloves on. <laughs> Quite erotic, really. But a few times that's happened. Exactly, I know. Well, I said, hey, Andy Powell's been doing this since 2004. You're just bringing it to the medical practices of bringing players back. Apparently, Johnny Sexton loves a rubber glove in his mouth. That's, is, it, is it, yeah? Well, that's what Muchie said. I'm only joking, Muchie. It still goes on. But he was said, like, when they're in New Zealand, like, the players are well-known, like Peter Omani. Yeah. Naturally, Johnny Sexton. Ty Byrne needs to take his helmet off so people know him. Same as Josh van der Fleer. What a player, Ty Byrne. Ty Byrne, Josh <sighs> van der Fleer, Caelan Doris. Furlong. They're, they're unbelievable to watch. Caelan Doris, for me, is in the top, if not the best number eight. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. And he's got his whole career in front of him now. Hopefully if he gets, which he has, but hopefully if he gets but, a clear run at it. But why are they bringing these youngsters through like they are? And where Wales have got some good talent about. Money. It, yeah. It's people, money. People hate that. Oh, what about this? It's money. Yeah. The academy system in Ireland and the school's programs is all about time and growth yeah. and, and investment. I've well, spoken to people. That. Wales could do that. It's investment. They don't want to invest Wales, do they not? That's the problem. So then they should invest. Well, they need to. They need to. Otherwise, it's going to, well. Well, Wales did it a different way, didn't they? So you think back in the day, it was like the club rugby in Wales was so strong. Ponty Prid, Ponty Paul. Swansea. Horrible places to go and play rugby. But then that working class, social class of Welsh rugby was always blood and guts, grit, Hard, 
Hard rugby, yeah. You know, like that's what Wales was. Ireland's very different because there's a private school system there, the money, the glitz and the glamour that come with that. Mm. And the stories can be different, but... But we've got private schools in Wales. Have you? <laughs> yeah, I know. Where? You know, you've got Sunday College, Christ College, you know, there's lo- lots of them about. Are they rugby schools or not? They play yeah, rugby they are. There? Yeah, they are. Rugby schools, yeah. I, I just think there's a lot to do with the scouting around people going to pick these talents. It's just picking these talents up and nurturing them through the system. And we're not doing enough of it. Do they want it still in Wales? But some of these schools don't play rugby anymore. It's all football now. Mm. And I've got a problem with that, but we need to get rugby back as a main sport. But it's probably borderline with football at the minute. I don't even see football, and sorry, Gareth Bale. It's the superstars, isn't it? Like guys like back in the day, Gav Henson. Where is Gavin Henson? I thought he wanted it. I thought he loved it. He's probably hiding in his loft. Is it, but he's, he didn't. He's he a, never wanted to hide. He was a, like, he wanted the, he was loose. He's another guy, right? He's a, the loveliest guy in the world. He's misunderstood again. Really down to earth guy. But. You know, we're all human at the end of the day. We make mistakes. It was the drink with him. He had, like, he had a, when he had a drink, he just turned uh, yeah. into a, a bit of a shit. Was that it or not? I mean, I went yeah, out like, with him a few times. Yeah, he could be a bit of a loose. nightmare. Like, don't get me wrong. I've never been arrogant when he's out. But, you know, drinks affect people in different ways, don't they? So, but he was a, he's, a, he's a great guy. I think he's got a pub in Bridge End. That's what I heard. Restaurant. Yeah, and it's supposed to be good. I remember when we played against Wales and he was playing and we were in Revolutions and there was this private... VIP bit, and Gav was just feeding the lads the bottles. Like he was climbing through the hole, coming back with bottles, and then just pouring them in a mouth. And then he's pouring into my mate's Kovskin's mouth, and he's projectile vomiting everywhere, and everyone's going nuts. I was like, but that's Gav's fault. He's been feeding him vodka for the last six hours. Fuck, they were were good days. And then it all kicked off. Shane Williams and his brother. He can get a bit uh, loose. He can. Yeah, he can. Under the radar, small man syndrome. Yeah. Check a few drinks in him, Shane. I do him. like Shane Williams. Top, top guy. I wish he was still playing. He's one of them where it's like... What a player. Yeah, just should have, oh, should have never retired. He was too small to play the game. And look what he did. Unreal. The romance of the Lions and the British and Irish Lions tour seems to be <clears throat> fading somewhat in the consciousness of other people, not me. I love the Lions. Wish I went on tour. But do you think it still has a place in the game now with the amount of games, the amount of pressures, the commerciality of it. And I think I know what you're going to say, but there is talk that it might not get, I mean, not immediately, but there's talk of them changing the format potentially Mm. in New Zealand, Australia, playing a game. Are you a traditionalist? Oh, you have to to keep it as it is. It's, it's, It's huge in the sport. And, you know, going back to watching 97 Lions Tour, you know, it's it's what makes the Lions tour. You know, all coming together, getting to know each other. Yes, you know them playing against each other, but how to get to know each other in a short period of time to then learn all the moves together. You know, it's it's special, it is. We have to keep that. It'd be stupid if they did get rid of it. How were you received in that group? Was there lads that you got on with that you didn't think you'd get on with? No, I went in. Was there a clique? Because a lot no. of you Welsh lads in there. No. No. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of Welsh, but there was no cliques at all. You know, it was, it was, yeah, it was a brilliant tour. Old school tour, just before social media. Um, Gatlin again, Sean Edwards, Bobby Sturgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, yeah, it was a great tour. Who surprised, anyone surprised you? 
Tom Croft, I would, because when I played against Croft, it was like, well, he seems like a bit of an arrogant, but no, but he was a top, very quiet. Yeah. And then sometimes you sort of, how can I say, it's between arrogance or is he just shy? But he was a, he's quite shy. He is shy. Yeah. And he's quite but, swaggery in how he walks. Yeah, but that's he's the confidence he's got. Tall and gangly. But I think that, going back, I think sometimes if you're shy and some people perceive it to be arrogance and i think a lot of people do that until you get to know the person then you think oh my god he's not a bad guy i'm a crafty top guy yeah yes but it was n- nothing like that and everybody got on you know we had a beer together best stag to have ever been on <laughs> no it was brilliant what about the teams that you've played against so, isn't there history with you and backis botha yeah my first cap first cap was first it? cap against south africa 2008 oh, baptism of fire is it not? yeah and World champions, world champions, yeah. And for me, my first cap, I didn't, I wasn't even worried about who they had on that team. And I went out there, right? I'm just going to get stuck into. And I can remember, I, I think it was something like sixty minutes into the game, I knew we weren't going to get the ball. And I just flown at the line and just absolutely levelled him. And he's landed on his back, and I said, "Get up, you prick." They were the worst words I've ever said to him in my life. He gets up. I'm not really good at doing a South African accent. He goes, my friend, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I'm not going to lie. My ass was like that. And I thought, he is going to kill me. And he is a huge man. I had to try and avoid him for the rest of the game. And he's going to guess, you're dead. Lucky enough, whistle ended. He shook my hand and he goes, my friend, I will get you fucking back. And I'm thinking, no, this guy is fucking mental. <laughs> I get man of the match, which I'm like, whoa, brilliant. I thought I played all right, but not for man of the match. Um, Prince William, medal, get interviewed. And I could see Bucky's brother coming down the side of the pitch. And he's walking towards me, grabs me on the back. He goes, my friend, great game today. But I will not forget what he did to me on this field today. And he just walked off. I thought, I'm not going out in Cardiff just in case that fucker's out. And then I signed for, I signed for sale. A few years later, I hadn't seen him before. We're playing Toulon. And I'm looking for the program. Number five, Bucky's boat. And I'm thinking, oh, for fuck's sake. We're walking out for the tunnel. And he goes, we meet again, my friend. And that's all he said. And I'm thinking, he is total gone. 78th minute into that game. I've gone for the first jackal I've ever done in my career. I've got over the ball. And I'm really on this ball. And I could hear... The feet come and I looked up and there he was. He hit me about 10 yards past the ruck, grips me around the throat and he goes, my friend, I told you I'd get you fucking back. And I was like, fuck, fuck, you done it then because I would have been thinking about it all the time. But what a guy. Fake tough guy. I reckon. There's that clip of Census Johnson filling him in. Oh, yeah. In France, he was playing for Toulouse, Santos and Johnson, and Bacchus was at Toulon. Who was uh, the guy who played for George Red? Gagotza, uh, yeah. When he, slapped him, when he slapped yeah. him in the rack, yeah. and he gripped him. And lucky enough, the player had to uh, hold him back, yeah. But Big man, Bacchus both, and I've seen him. He's about 40 stone. Well, he was. I think he's, 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 he's huge. leaned up massive. I texted him Christmas Day saying, no, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry <laughs> Christmas. I did. And he goes, hope you well, my friend. Peace. And I thought, oh, it's nice to have peace back in that. <laughs> you text him at yeah, Christmas? Yeah, I always text quite a few of the South Africans. Who else? Um, Sharp Burger, I text. Good, good guy. Fuck, Sharp Burger. I should hate that bloke. What a player. Oh, my. He. He is nails. Yeah, tough. 
as anything. So we played against South Africa and <laughs> kickoff goes up, first kickoff of the game, and it was a short one. And we were drilling it where, you know, you get lifted from behind like a single lifter. There's yeah. no one in front. So I've gone up. As soon as I've come down, I've been oh. hit, right? But he's like hit me with his arm. Like, you know, he, had, he was quite an upright tackle. Yeah. He's hit me with his arm and his thumb has gone knuckle deep into the back of me right eye. And oh. I'm like, oh, I fucking can't see, pal. I can't see. Right? So I couldn't see out my right <laughs> eye. But then something happened. I couldn't see out my left eye either. Like my left eye went blurry. I don't know how. But I couldn't see out of both my eyes, and because I'm nails, I ended up playing 60 minutes. I literally couldn't see a thing, and I couldn't stop thinking about him. I don't, I don't think he did it on purpose, but scalped had history. History, yeah, right. But Fifth child, yeah. I'm thinking, like, I don't know what I'm going to do about it. But all I'm thinking is, I hate this bloke. And then Saracen signed him, and I went up oh, to him. Right, yeah. I went up to him and like shook his hand, and I didn't say anything at first, but. I kind of had a word with him after and he obviously ain't got a clue what happened. He don't remember it. Doesn't remember playing against me. <laughs> the nicest bloke yeah. I have ever had the pleasure of meeting. And I've met a lot of nice yeah, people and he's up there in the top three or three or five. Sound guy. Oh, loves a beer. Just, just down to earth. But he's got a monster inside him. Oh yeah. He, yeah. We'd be training with Scout Burger and, he was passive in training, hated contact in training, hated weights, just used to lie on the phone roller at training. And then a young lad, I remember, Hayden Stringer, wouldn't have heard of him, he's playing in Breve now, monstered him on the bag. <laughs> Me, myself and Irene, he has gone Tasmanian devil. So now every time Scout Burger's carrying the ball, he is monstering people, like absolutely murdering them. The inner self come out. I know, we are like... He was so good. Yeah. So good. T tough. Like, as in... Brace it. Just like... He's one of the toughest. He is one of the toughest blokes yeah. to ever play professional rugby. But he said the other day, didn't he? He said Henry. He said about Henry. Henry was his toughest because just our fear with the Tuolangis. Oh, well, I, pl I played with Henry Tuolangi. Oh. Worst rugby injury I've ever seen was his. He had a compound fracture of his tib and fib. Out <gasps> through the skin, bleeding everywhere. And he shouted, ow, my leg. That's, that's what he said. Ow, my leg. Ow, my leg. And then, when he came back, we were playing against Northampton, me and Martin Johnson in the second row. Henry's just come back. Five-man line out, off the top. He's crashed it. He's probably running at 500 miles an hour. Straight into Tonga Weir at the back of the line out. And he ran with the ball quite high, didn't he? Yeah. Outside, um, exposed. He's gone to sit Tonga Weir down. And his arm, you've heard it, snapped in half, right? And it is like you can see it dangling. Oh, my God. The bloke's still playing on. He's refusing to come off. He's been out for like a year or so with his leg. Refusing to come on. I'm like, he's like, shimbo, shimbo. You go five-man line out. You go five-man line out. I said, what's up, mate? We need you in. Lifting. Look at my arm, chief. And it was like half the size because the two bones had slipped down. His arm was like half the size. Mentally tough. That's, well, crazy. Well, crazy. Sean Edwards used to say that. He goes... You do not stay on the floor unless you've broken your leg, broken arm, or broken your neck. So you would have loved him. I mean, the days that they, they were, were scary savage. to play against, they were. Yeah. But I can remember when we were in Leicester, he decked Brett Deacon, remember? He laid him out and he had to get stretched off the pitch. And you had, what's his name? He's in Melton Mowbray coaching now, the prop. 
Michael Holford. Holford, I seen him uh, two years ago. Yeah, yeah, good boy. No, I remember. I don't think Henry. I think he did something. No, Brett Deacon knocked out Michael Holford in training. Oh, was he, it? He punched him, oh, and then Michael, right. and Michael Holford was snoring on the floor. That's right. Crazy. That was like Leicester was mental. 2000, 2003. Yeah, 2002, 2003. Bloody hell. It was. And them two are That was it. At Leicester back in the day, you had them guys, you had the two Alangis. Freddie. Well, I've seen Freddie in the weekend because we played um, Market Raisin. And Freddie was on the sideline. But he used to lie, didn't he, to go away on the trips when he wasn't selected and pretend that he was selected so he could have a piss up on the best of the lads <laughs> on the way back. Poor Polly's at home. <laughs> Freddie, where are you? I work in Polly. I work in. Great, oh. hey, great family, though. And they're the foundations of rugby clubs. Yeah. That's what it should be. The characters it? and stuff. Pauly, when you look back on your life and your career, life in the fast lane, mm. would you change anything? Does anything bug you? Not that it's, oh. I mean, it's completely irrelevant, but... Yeah, well, I say I don't have any regrets, but yeah, I could have changed a few things, you know. If there was one, what would it be? Probably be more clever with my money. Well, you've given your life and your body to the game. Oh, I have. And, you know, I I don't get depressed about it now. I still think about it sometimes, but you have to move on. But that's one thing I would have changed, being a bit more clever with my money. And, yeah, but, you know, there's still more opportunities for me to... You know, keep working hard. Pauli, let's have a little bit of fun. I want us to name our ultimate 15, lad 15. We can share. This is mine and yours. Yeah, okay. We should probably should have done a bit of prep, but like you've said, and like I agree, we can't do prep. Let's go off well, the cuff. You don't have to be the best players. The best. No. The, the team you would As have in, in characters and... Everything. If, right. you're, if you're coach, if you're Warren Gatlin now... Oh, Welsh um, players now? No, no, no. Oh. No, anyone. You're okay. British and Irish Lions, but we'll pick some Saffers if we want. Like, we'll put Scott Berger in there. I like to think chaos and enjoyment, but I still mm. want to win. Like, that's the route that I want to go down. Yeah. Alan Jacobson, number one, that I'll, I'll go first. You don't need to agree with me. This will be my ultimate lad 15 that I'm happy to put out on the pitch. He was a loose cannon, but a phenomenal rugby player. Two, I'd go Trevor Leota. Oh, God. So you're happy with Chunk? You happy with Alan Jacobson? Yeah. All right. No teeth, Alan Jacobson. Trevor Leota, what about I put a clip out of him tackling? Oh, man. Oh. Fear. Murderous. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't last, even last five minutes now. I'm happy with Trevor Leota. Yeah. I don't know what he's like as a lad. I think if he had a few beers and you got on the wrong side of him, he might be. He'd chase you. Yeah. Yeah. Julian White. Tough. But a character as well. Great. A farmer. Yeah. Julian White, I remember. Who did he spark out? Was it Sheridan? Sheridan. He punched Malcolm O'Kelly. He had a call for me in the scrum when I used to scrum behind him. And let's not forget, the scrum was always, it'd always go forward. Yeah. And I think the number was 69. It might have been 29, <laughs> but I told him, I'll only react, Whitey, to 69. 69. He was like, when that number comes, you send one through. Right? Yeah. Julian White tells you to send one through, you send one through. And we are going forward at the rate of knots. And I've sent one through, he screamed 69, and I've thrown the biggest uppercut you've ever seen. I mean, the purchase wasn't great from that position. Dorian West, straight in the eye. I whacked him full-blown straight in the eye. He didn't know where it had come from. And I just never told him. I didn't have the art to got tell him it was got me. Away, got away with it? I got away with it, yeah. It couldn't be, yeah, I don't know if I ran him in the team. what you used to get away with years ago. I mean, it's not even comparable, but I'd have him. I'd have, so the front row is Alan Jacobson, Trevor Leota, yeah, and Julian White. 
second rows. I tell you what, Alan Wynne Jones is one of the yeah. toughest second rows. I mean, I saw him do that thing where he was in Arbeth with his mates where he did the splits and sucks his finger, which is a bit weird. He's a, he's a character, Alan Wynne. Is he? He's, yeah, he's a fruity. Yeah, but fruity character. Yeah, he's... Like, I thought it was a bit strange where he was sucking his finger. But he's good when he's at the, the public eye. Oh, really? So there's a public good, persona. He's, he's good fun, he is. He's a proper good laugh. Mm. Uh, he is nails. Dry. Yeah, he's, he's, he's nails. Tough. I need him in the, in the eye from a kickoff. Straight from the kickoff, and I've still got a chip in my kneecap now. He didn't even flinch. He is tough. He's mentally tough. Should we put him in there? Yeah, I think you have to put him in. Right. So this is like toughest fifteen. So like, as in for the yeah. for the ball that comes up, this is like second rows. You got Bucky's booty. You could put in there. Go and put him in there because yeah, I'd like to put Victor's Matt. No, Bucky's 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 brother definitely. All right. Not now. Not the forty stone Bucky's both are. No, the 20, the one that the, the twenty two stone, yeah, yeah, the one um, that cleared you out when he was playing for too long. Six, We've got to go, Scout Burger. Yeah, I agree with that. There's loads of tough Pat Rose. Seven, Richie McCaw. Um, Did you play against New Zealand? Yeah. The weird thing when I it, when I knocked sparked him. Did you? And I didn't get the yellow card in. Was it high shot? Was it? Yeah, and I went up to him after the game. I said, "I'm awfully sorry." And he goes, oh, mate, we get away with murder. So just buy me a pint of Worthy after the game. So I bought him a pint of Worthy. What, Worthington's? Yeah, he had a pint of Worthy. So what, just bitter? Bitter. And he goes, don't worry about it. Yeah, you have to put Richie McCaw. Yeah. Eight's a big one. Well, Richie McCaw was one of them players where... We missed Jerry Collins. Oh, you, 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 you can put Jerry at eight. Would you want Jerry at eight? Yeah, put Jerry at eight. Yeah, that's what okay. I'd like. Because Richie <clears> McCaw, when we played against New Zealand, was not the guy that you'd associate with ball carrying, right? They had Ma Nonu. They had Kieran Reid. Yeah. Um, I know, that's another thing. Mills Moliaina. They had, like, the biggest ball carriers yeah. ever. Surveyor, Rocker Go Slow on the wing. But he was just good at what he did in the breakdown. But when he me. carried, he was like a rock. Rock, yeah. Oh, another like, guy who's mentally tough. Oh, absolutely. He's the, he's the greatest. Scrum half. Are we going Jerry Collins at eight? Yeah. Right, that's a bloody tough team, that is. That is a, that's, a, that's an awesome looking team. Nine. Harry Ellis. Dirty. But tough. My Phillips and off. Fisa Tonu. Fisa Tonu. Yeah. Was it Ospreys? And all, um, Newport when I was there. All black, nine. Hit me with some more. I need some more. I'm not convinced yet. He'd built like a hooker. Brilliant pass. Powerful. Tough. Yeah. Great player. All right. We'll have him in. We'll have him. You can pick 10. Go on. Are you going to go Finn Russell then? No. No? No, not as in, a good lad. Yeah. He's tough in a different way. He's salt of the earth, like he's not but private school, that, not that you can't be private school. that pack. Yeah, but my, right, okay, this, is, it, this is if it kicks off on the pitch. Okay. If it's like we're playing Pontypred or Pontypool, you know that you're going to do it. It doesn't need to be the glitz and glamour of the La de France arena. Ten's always a tough one. Why do you have to go Johnny Wilkerson for being yeah. tough? Weird, but... Yeah, yeah. Tough. But, yeah, and we'll but, put him in there because Delalio didn't put him in his greatest England. Didn't he? 15, no. Oh, right. He, 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 pissed, he, he pissed him put, off, did he? he well, he, he doesn't know yet. But yeah, let's put Johnny in there. He was... I oh, mean, Johnny get on, you know. Weird. Yeah? Yeah. We do, we do. Like, we chat. Not a lot, but when we see each other, we have like... Deep. deep. Not really, as in, I think he likes chatting to me because I don't go yeah, that deep. you probably get the best out of him. Yeah. So he's into... Well, you do with he's, a lot of people. He's into bikes. Me. Yeah. You know it was coming at 12, didn't you? Scott Gibbs has to be. Oh, yeah. Tuopolosu, I liked him as mm, well. Yeah. He went to Culver at the age of 42 and is absolutely maiming bin man. 
That's all I saw. He was just monstering people who were working on the bins at the weekend. <laughs> yeah. 13. Brian O'Driscoll's Brian a big Driscoll's, fan. Yeah. He was hard as but well. But he was tough. Yeah, people don't like as um, in. Who's the second row in the Lions tour when he hit him? And they both knocked each other out, but he got back above the deck. Uh, Pierce Beast, was it? No, um, Rousseau, not Rousseau. Oh, yeah, Danny Rousseau. Danny Rousseau. Yeah, it was Danny Rousseau on the Lions tour. Hit the 22-stone bloke. Yeah, he came, he out, came out to win, didn't line. he? But he was tough, Drico. Yeah. He's a big listener of the pod as well. He loves but, it. But so this is cool. pleasure. In, but he was just quick, powerful. But he wasn't a big, big. No. But a Good lad as well. Yeah, top bloke. Yeah. So I, I've been out, well, not with him. He's been in the same place as me. He ignored me, but we wouldn't do that now because we're mates, but... Yeah, he's, he's, he's a sound guy. Yeah, you're getting loose as well. Yeah. Which I like. I, can, I don't want to tell you a story about Draco. Yeah. Lion's Tour. I think it was after we got, I think it was after the first test or the second test, it was a physical, was it the first, second, I think it was. And we all went back to the hotel and Gas goes, boys, you need a beer. And the boys are down. So we got, got him steaming, wrapped him up, put him in a lift. It was about 45, 50 floors glass all around press every single button in the lift and he was cling thumbed up and there was must have been 400 500 people downstairs <laughs> and he's trying he's moving around the lift trying to get bollocky bill and oh mate it was is he bollock naked bollock naked just cling film all around it just going up and down in the who lift. has cling filmed one of the greatest of all times who's done it some of the Irish, everybody i think was a few lads just cling filmed him up his nails mate as well he probably can't well no it was after the last test we're all in the bar Having kangaroo court, that's what it was. Oh, when he's gone up, put, yeah, and we just and we just put him in a lift, we'll but get, that was loose. Right for that, he can go in. Yeah, I'm happy. Hundred percent. What did you say? He was bollock Bill, bollocky Bill. Oh, so are you going up? Wingers. Oh, we oh, eleven. Jonah, you can have to. Yeah, now. yeah. I was thinking about Jonah Lomu the other day. I saw oh, something. Po- I saw something pop up. I was lucky enough. We had him in Cardiff. He came to remember when he was going through the problem with the kidneys and stuff, but he was still playing and what a guy he was. Most down to earth guy ever. How awesome but weird that he was at Cardiff. Do you know, know what I mean? Yeah. Like as in of all the places you could go. Yeah. The Cardiff in the Cardiff Blues sellouts, jersey. Sellouts every time. Yeah. Like as in stood on the wing. Yeah. The greatest. But he had ballooned up to quite a bit of weight then because the tablets he was on was affecting his you know, his yeah. weight. And, he was but, on that dialysis, wasn't he, and stuff when he was there. But he, just, he put rugby on the map, didn't he? Oh, with, oh, what, what a legend. Number one. What a legend. Yeah, he's in, and he was nails as well, not just yeah. putting him because he was a legend. big. Just, yeah. Well, yeah. 14. Can you remember, I tell you he was a good player. Remember Simon Gagan? No. The, the Irish winger. And he was the only guy who could tackle Jonah Lomo. You can't remember Simon no. Gagan? He was a blonde-haired winger. I remember going back and in he was the a chop tackler. 90s. He was, always used to tackle him into touch. Always used to get him. Mm. I'll pick him then. Do you want to put him in? Yeah, put him in. Yeah, put, well, this is yeah. this is more you than yeah. me. I'm piggybacking. I know I go 15. Go on then. Kellen. Oh, yeah. Kristen Kellen. Yeah. The Kiwis are the biggest pissheads in the world. They're bigger than the Welsh. The, the Aussies are quite wild. Yeah. I think the Welsh are always big. But nobody compares to the All Blacks and the Kiwis. Yeah, arse end of the world. They're the worst, and they get away with it. Yeah. They know how to hide it, though, don't they? Arse end of the world. Well, the thing is, their press don't put them in a shirt. Mm. Oh, the Welsh press. You have the ratings in the paper, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10. Who who got an 8 or 9 out of 10? Not me. Alan Wynne-Jones usually gets 10. And then if somebody had a bad game the next week, twos, threes. I'm not going to speak anymore. It winds me up. So who are we going? 15... Cullen. Cullen. Right, so let's just nail it down. So we've got 
Alan Jacobson, yeah. aka Chunk, Leota. Trevor Leota, Julian White. You're hoping that kicks off with them three. Yeah. Bacchus, yeah. Alan Wynn, Collins, at eight. Jerry Collins, Richard, Richard McCall, and Scott Berger that's at right. six or eight. Doesn't really matter. Nine Tonno. Yeah. 10 Wilkins, 12 Gibbs, 13 Draco, 11 Jonah, 14 Simon Gagan. Who I've never heard yeah, of. But he, no, I'm, I'm probably making him no, that. That's fine. He's no, in. And 15 Kellen. There we go. That is our ultimate 15. If I never remember the backs and you did the forwards. Well, we did it together. Yeah, yeah, so we're did. both managers. Together, you're, as in, your head coach, I'm director of rugby. Right. That'd, oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Boom. Done. Cheers, Jim. Class, mate.